This is the Starting Good Podcast. I'm Alex Gramling. Looked around the urban environment and noticed that uh, there are shipping containers everywhere, already in, in everyday life, and there's such a ubiquitous structure that had so many different benefits. That's Brad McNamara, co-founder of Freight Farms, a Boston-based startup that transforms shipping containers into eco-friendly, high-yield farms capable of year-round production. Each container is fitted with hydroponic growing systems and LED lighting, and it's connected to sensors and timers that monitor critical variables like temperature and humidity. McNamara says a 40-foot container can grow between 3,500 and 5,000 plants. A Kickstarter campaign three years ago helped fund the initial prototype. Since then, 18 container farms have been built and sold to customers ranging from traditional farmers to restaurant owners who want to locally grow their own produce. I asked Brad to tell me more about his company. Freight Farms is a product and a service, so we sell uh, a modular hydroponic farm. Uh, that is inside of an insulated shipping container. Uh, and that whole farm is sensed and monitored uh, and controlled via our uh, cloud-based mobile app that we call FarmHand uh, to allow you know anyone to start growing fresh, healthy local food um, anywhere and uh, be constantly connected to their farm you know, from their couch or from their desk or from the farm itself. Describe for us how this, this product development uh, process came about. How did you decide to, to put a farm in a box and, and literally to put a farm in a shipping container? Um, yeah, so, I mean, the story actually goes uh, deeper and further back than just a farm inside a box. Uh, my co-founder and I, John, uh, we uh, reconnected in 2009 um, and started consulting in the uh, urban rooftop development space focused around greenhouse hydroponic food production. Um, and so we explored that space with a number of clients uh, and realized uh, very quickly that it wasn't a tangible solution that was going to impact, you know, the mainstream food supply. There needed to be something more accessible. Um, and then sort of realized that a number of the pieces that we were developing for greenhouse growing to try and optimize space and increase plant density and others uh, could be applied to a, a different platform. Um, so then we, you know, looked around the urban environment and noticed that uh, there are shipping containers everywhere, already in, in everyday life, and there's such a ubiquitous structure that had so many different benefits. And so we realized that if we could design something that took all the highest level of technology that was in the market and tied together with the technology we were developing in an efficient envelope that was actually easy to use, it could be a real game changer. So for a layperson, describe what one of these shipping containers uh, looks like and what's on the inside that makes it capable of food production. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the container itself is uh, a sealed, insulated, 40-foot uh, shipping container. So it's 40 feet by 8 by 9.5. And, um, and in their first life, they're actually used to transport uh, fresh and frozen food. Uh, across the oceans and around the world. Inside, what we use uh, is a vertical hydroponic system that we've developed. So uh, we grow 100% uh, hydroponically without soil um, using vertical towers um, that allow for flexibility of planting. So we can have between 12 and 30 plant layers. And then we've developed an LED lighting system to supply light to the plants um, that allows for one single layer of light to uh, power all of those plants with an integrated irrigation system, all of which ties back to 
timers in the control system um, so that the environment, the pumps, the waters, uh, the nutrients, the pH, everything is, is monitored in real time and, and dosed accordingly so that, you know, uh, you can set the parameters of heat, humidity, and then when it comes to the water, you can set the parameters of uh, how much nutrients you need in the water, what the pH should be, so on and so forth. And then above that, you know, we provide a visual uh, visual cues as well so that the farm has cameras throughout so that our farmers and us can actually monitor what's going on and take a look at, you know, what a healthy plant looks like, what a healthy plant doesn't look like, so on. So who's a typical customer for your product? Is it is it farmers or is it uh, restaurateurs? Who's buying uh, a shipping container and farming inside of it? Uh, I mean, the beauty, the beautiful part about what we've sort of done by making it very user-centric and user-friendly is that a farmer who has been in the business of doing the hard work of farming um, can be a master free farmer in a very short period of time because um, there's not a lot of new stuff for them to learn. The farm virtually runs itself. They just focus on what they want it to do. But it also, you know, empowers somebody like a restaurant owner, you know, who has maybe has a few restaurants and wants to be able to source, you know, more consistently, more locally, and maybe, you know, have more control over their sourcing to have a farm of their own, uh, you know, as well as uh, corporate campuses. So we have a few campuses, um, you know, that are activating farms on campus to, you know, sort of engage their, engage their employee population and to allow for their cafeterias, which serve the majority of their food, to have a source of fresh, healthy local, you know, year-round. And so you mentioned the year-round aspect of it. Obviously, it's a controlled environment. What are some of the other advantages uh, of your system compared to, let's say, traditional farming? Uh, I mean, you know, on our system compared to traditional farming, I mean, it's a, it's a, a tough comparison to make just because we're not trying to uh, we're not trying to transplant traditional farming um, but in, you know in that case you know there are you know between 3,500 and 5,000 plants growing at one time inside of a 320 square foot space you know so I mean if you look at that you know compared to a field you know on an annual basis you know it's two times more effective of growing the same amount of plants on an annual basis you know, that's pretty powerful, especially when you're using 90% less water and it's growing year-round. Um, you know, so, so and that also, you know, one of the parts that we're most excited about is the fact that a freight farm allows areas and spaces to be activated for food production. You know, so those spaces are now contributing in a positive manner to the food system, you know, rather than just sitting unused and not being able to be activated or be viable for people. You weren't successfully growing food right off the bat uh, and perhaps had some hits and misses. Uh, what, what were the initial months and uh, of, of product development like, and, and what were you learning as you were going along? Uh, I mean, I think uh, for us, we took a, you know, a, what we considered a pretty non-traditional product development approach, but in reality was relatively traditional. I mean, you know, John and I, having been in, you know, uh, hydroponic uh, rooftop development, sort of learned, you know, from a plant perspective exactly what would work, what wouldn't work, and then we're able to tap some of the some of the brightest minds in the industry in terms of controlled environment growing uh, to test, you know, the validity of some of our design ideas and, you know, see how far we could push the boundaries. And then, you know, did some, some small-scale uh, testing with different components to make sure, you know, 
can we grow a plant like this? Can we grow, you know, a plant like that type of scenario? Um, and then, you know, what we did is, you know, we, we kind of decided we were either going to go big or go home. So we did a Kickstarter campaign uh, at the end of 2011 uh, to actually build, build a full-scale 40-foot container farm uh, in a parking lot. You know, so John and I took a summer and just, you know, lived in that container, you know, 60, 80 hours a week, building it, rebuilding it, growing, testing, um, you know, until we had everything just right. Uh, you know, we, you know, luckily for us, we brought enough knowledge and help to the growing side from the very beginning that we didn't really have any major uh, growing snafus in terms of the actual plant production. Um, the biggest snafus really came trying to uh, overhaul and integrate technology uh, into uh, the agriculture, you know, into that side of things, you know, and uh, making sure that the technology that we had developed early on really worked and testing that and getting the connectivity down and making it user-friendly. So take us through some of that. For example, a mobile app helps control uh, the environment within the growing uh, container. Uh, how did you develop that? Um, you know, so one of the things we realized is that uh, when it comes to controlled environment growing, there is a lot of really interesting stuff going on in terms of greenhouse controllers. You know, we've seen a lot of them because the greenhouse in itself is pretty, uh, if it's going to be done correctly, there's a lot of different elements that need to be controlled. A lot of this is very, you know, very analog in its thinking of, you know, either off or on, you know, and, you know, know, there was some push-button controls and some digital controls. Um, you know, so what, what we realized is that you could take a lot of some of the hardware and uh, connect it to, to sensors and then put that on the Internet so that that data would be fed up to somewhere and if it's read appropriately and read correctly, could say, you know, do this, don't do that, you know, set the relationships in place so that it's not a very, it's not a, it's not a binary relationship. It's, it's more multifaceted, you know, kind of with a number of if-then statements, you know, if this and this and this and this, then do that. If one of those elements is not there, don't, you know, such as balancing, you know, the CO2 in the air so that, you know, if you're trying to supplement CO2 for production in the environment, you don't want to be, you know, say, doing an air exchange within the grow environment and putting CO2 into that air environment because then essentially you're just putting CO2 out into the environment. You know, so making a system that recognized multiple elements um, was really was really what what we were going for. But ultimately, what it is giving control back to the operator in that by being cloud based and uh, the app being connected to our servers, to the farm, and to the farmer all at the same time. Always, it gives the the user of the farm the ability to be, be able to monitor their farm and know that things are going right all the time and get alerts wherever they are if something happens to be off. And when you were building your initial pilot container, did you consult uh, real farmers, and what kind of feedback did they give you? Um, yeah, I mean, we did a number of different sort of, uh, you know, market research, market surveys um, around small farmers and things like that. Um, you know, and one of the things that they, you know, farmers are farmers are great because they are hardworking, they're dedicated, and they're no nonsense. So they they don't pull punches. They tell you they tell you tell you exactly how it is and how they want to see it. You know, so one of the things we you know we took back was that you know if we were going to go to small farmers and farmers in general, we need to give them tools that they could use 
and that could be very effective for them immediately. And, you know, that's one of the reasons we didn't target, uh, you know, those farmers until we were sure we had, you know, a full system that anybody could use so that a farmer could snap it onto their, you know, behind their barn or next to their, next to their warehouse and get started immediately. You know, so one of the things we did realize is that, you know, farmers, you know, they, they don't have time. They don't have time to experiment. They don't have time to play around. You know, they need to be producing plants, producing food for their customers. And that's the bottom line. You know, so that was one of the, the big learnings early on was, you know, you know, farmers, while a great market for us, you know, were very clear that they weren't interested in being kitty pig for us early on, you know, or, you know, uh, beta testing something that we might want feedback on. You know, they, they're they a very serious bunch with a, with a big job to do. In your experimentation, uh, you said that you had to figure out what would grow and, and what wouldn't grow. So what did you learn? What can you grow uh, and and what doesn't work as well? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, one of the beautiful aspects of, of Freight Farms is that all of our farms are networked together so we can share that information. You know, so the, you know, the 18 farms, I think, right now that are growing, you know, are constantly pushing the boundaries depending on what their situation is, you know, be it in Minnesota, San Antonio, you know, L.A., Boston, wherever they're growing or whatever reasons they have for growing that food, they're constantly coming up with crops that work better or work different. Um, when we were starting, obviously, we just, you know, had to test it out. So we sort of used the knowledge that we had to optimize for, you know, leafy greens, you know, um, new lettuces, your herbs, things like that. Um, and then uh, last year we uh, had our farm manager, uh, our farmer, just uh, kind of, in our containers, grow whatever we could think of. You know, so, I mean, I think we grew over 50 varieties, you know, everything from a variety of different leafy greens and lettuces and things like that, you know, to, you know, experimentations with cucumbers, with zucchini, with uh, jalapeno peppers, with Asian eggplants, you know, uh, with some tomatoes, you know, and just really push the limits so that we could figure out what this system could grow, you know, and then be able to build out with the help of our farmers on the network, you know, based on different situations, what should a farmer grow? You know, because that's a very different question. You know, you can grow a lot of different things. You know, what you should grow as as an operator might vary from region to region. In this country, as you know, we're, we're having a, a discussion about sustainability, about food production, uh, where does a product like yours and a company like yours fit into that discussion? Um, I mean, I think, you know, from, from our perspective, when it comes to the, the discussion of sustainability in this country, you know, it comes, it comes right back down to, you know, everybody wants to eat and the demand for fresh, healthy local food continues to rise while the population rises, but also as more people become aware of what they're eating. And, you know, in order to supply that and also um, work with the progression of the growing urban environment and the fact that the cities continue to grow, we need to be able to activate and empower spaces and people. And that's really where, you know, we think Freight Farms has the biggest impact is, you know, to be able to go into any different, you know, environment, be it urban, suburban, or rural, and activate spaces for positive food production. And by positive food production, I mean people being able to activate a space wherever that may be to grow food for 
community or for their area and actually bring that food into the food system. Let's talk a little about the capital uh, required to start your business. You you said you uh, used a Kickstarter campaign. I'm curious why you chose that vehicle and and what was your experience like uh, trying to raise money through uh, crowdfunding? Um, Sure. I mean, I think, you know, we chose uh, Kickstarter. I mean, uh, mind you, it was uh, 2011 at the time. So Kickstarter was, you know, very much not in its infancy, but was was gaining popularity. Um, And it was a perfect time for us because, you know, back in 2010, 2011, the idea of modular farming was very much an out there concept, you know, where it was still, it was still unheard of to think of putting a farm on the roof, which is the space we had been in previously. And none of those projects had really come to fruition yet. So, so people weren't even thinking about putting farms inside lots and parking lots and unused spaces. Um, so for us, the, the crowdfunding route and Kickstarter in particular was great because we were able to really put out the idea, the the fact that, you know, we put a challenge out to ourselves and to the world via Kickstarter that we have this concept, we've proven a number of elements, and we need to do it for real. And it was one of those things, like, if you believe in the fact that something needs to be done differently to have a positive impact on the future, you know, back us. And if this thing works, it's going to be awesome. And if it doesn't, you know, We've tried the best we can, and, you know, we think we're the ones who can be successful. Um, so, I mean, our, our, our experience with, the, with crowdfunding um, via Kickstarter was really positive in that, you know, a lot of people connected to, you know, the, the greater mission of, of what we were trying to accomplish. You know, because back in, you know, 2011, it, it really hadn't been done before in the manner that we wanted to do it as a way to you know, bring food production back to the people and empower spaces and activate spaces and people at the same time. Of course, farmers are your traditional customer. Uh, who are some of your non-traditional customers? Who's using uh, your product that, that might be interesting or surprising for us? Um, I mean, you know, so, I mean, you're probably surprised to know that we don't, we don't sell to a lot of traditional farmers uh, at the time. Like I said, we haven't really targeted them. Um, because, you know, they already work hard enough. They don't need another uh, experimental tool, you know. So we're at the point now where we sell to traditional farmers because we can we know exactly what they're getting and we can make sure that they'll be successful. You know, sort of surprising is the fact that we do have farms, you know, at corporate campuses. Um, you know, we have one behind a, you know, co-located at a high school. We have, uh, you know, six independent businesses throughout the country that have been built on the Freight Farms platform. You know, we have a small business in Canada that has built their fresh food business on, on, on Freight Farms. You know, we have one at a hotel and conference center that grows, you know, specifically for their restaurant and their catering services. You know, um, you know, and then there's just a, you know, a number in various different places that, uh, that you, you know, you wouldn't think of traditionally. Um, you know, such as co-locating next to one of the oldest oldest fruit and produce uh, wholesale distributors in the Boston area. You know, they have one right next to their warehouse where they grow their own herbs. You know, so all of these players, you know, that are in the food system already, you know, that are finding ways to do their, you know, do business 
because I think a lot of a lot of people, especially businesses in food, have you know kind of begun to realize that they can't continue to operate the way their grandfather and their grandfather's grandfather did, or else by the time it's you know comes time to pass the business on to his or her son or daughter, there'll be no business to pass on. Where are some of your freight farms uh, today, and do you have plans to uh, expand internationally? Um, yes. I mean, right now we have farms in, uh, in eight states throughout the United States, uh, two countries. Uh, you know, we're moving, you know, we're moving into Canada and focusing on North America at the time uh, and exploring partnerships and the right entry points in a number of international markets um, because the interest internationally is is tremendously overwhelming. There's, a, there's an enormous opportunity for us there. Um, but having learned a ton about, you know, bringing this to certain demographics, to certain channels, you know, we realized that there's a little bit of legwork to be done. And, you know, we want to make sure that we pick the right partners internationally, the right channels, so that when we go there, we have the most immediate positive impact. Brad McNamara is co-founder of Freight Farms. Thanks for listening to Starting Good. You can hear our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on our website at startinggood.org. I'm Alex Gramling.